sing it again, Matt. You're so wonderful with this. Cat got nine lives. He do. He do. <laughs> All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcast. And welcome once again to your podcast. I'm Ken Mills, and I'm joined by our fellow podcast staffers, Matt Porter. What's up, Kiss Army? And Greg Cohen. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. How are you guys today? Oh, excellent. Well, it's Fantastic. A, excellent. It's a very interesting time in the world of Kiss, as usual. Is it ever <laughs> dull? Seriously. I mean, even when I've been bored with Kiss, something's always going on. It's like that line in, what, Godfather 3, where uh, Pacino says, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. So there's there's always some new drama to get us all uh, all talking and debating and even arguing, uh, if you will. Well, we love to talk. We don't really like to argue here, so we're just going to do our thing. We're going to have some fun with Kiss. Today we're going to talk about the makeup and it's a strange relationship we have with this makeup as KISS fans. We love the fantasy of it, and we think of, you know, no matter when you got into KISS, even if they weren't wearing the makeup, it was still a, the specter was looming over the situation all the time. And I think it's strange. I was listening to Ace Frehley's new album, Space Invader, plug for Ace Frehley's album, and it's got a lot of great music on it, but some of the lyrics are just abysmal. <laughs> and somebody's going to say, oh, if you're looking for great lyrics in a Kiss album, then you're barking up the wrong tree. Well, it's not so much that I'm looking for, you know, the next Imagine or the next uh, Led Zeppelin opus or something, but I'm looking for something that doesn't make me cringe. And as much as I love 80s cartoons, the, the lyrics to Space Invader, to me, come off like a 80s cartoon you know about space invader and it just seems kind of disingenuous and to me when i was growing up as a as a kid and loving kiss i remember critics at the time saying that they're nothing but the makeup and it's you know it's 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 very uh shallow songwriting whatnot but to me i've always enjoyed the rock and roll that kiss provided us with what about you, Matt? What do you think? You know, it's funny because I, I thought about this a lot during the week when we talked about, you know, what should we talk about for this episode? And I really agree. I think in a lot of ways, I never really looked to Kiss for lyrics that were going to kind of inform me into anything other than just having a good time. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to the more people that you know who write songs. I always find it very interesting to talk to people who write songs or artists and ask them, you know, what inspires you or, or what was the inspiration of that? I, I talk about it a lot on, on The Kiss Room is like my brother has his band, Clashing Plaid, and he'll tell me what every song is about. And a lot of the lines, you know, you'll go through and he'll he'll tell me, well, this line is this and this line was that. And some of it, even if, like somebody could take a line and really apply it as something totally different. Then he'll tell me what it really was and we'll just laugh and it's something funny. And I think a lot of time with Kiss, it's the same thing, is a lot of the lyrics... You know, we listen to now, and we're about the same age, but, you know, we listen to when we were younger, and then you listen to it when you're older, and you put it in a different context. And, mm -hmm. You know, I always, I, the one I always think about is, you know, sitting in the back, her head down in my lap. When yeah. I was eight, I thought she's just looking up thoughtfully, and they're talking, and other having, you know, you, you picture a totally different thing. <laughs> you know, a couple of years later, her head's down in his lap. And, you know, that becomes the kind of the prime directive for the rest of your life, really. Let's is, be uh, honest. You, know. <laughs> you saw your first porno, and that opened up the whole new And you go, lyrical. wow, I know what she was doing down there now. But the, uh, and, and it's the reason why I think you get out of bed in the morning or stay in bed in the morning. It's one <laughs> or the other. And it just, uh, you know, a lot of it comes down to the lyrics. Like, if you really, like you said, look, if you sit and really pick apart the lyrics of any song, of really any band, a lot of time, it, you know... It, you have to look past, okay, moon, June, spoon, what rhymes with this or that or the other. And, you know, um, I think it depends what you're always looking for. And that's, and I, and I really put a lot of kind of thought into what have I always looked for 
And I think with Kiss, it was always, it really was, and you used the word earlier, but it was the fantasy of it. It mm-hmm. was the idea of that, wow, these guys seem to be having a great time. I wanted to rock and roll night and party every day, and even now I still rock and roll some of the night and part of every day. But the, uh, you know, it really is, you know, you start to think about it. What was it that you really were looking for? And I think I've always just looked for that that soundtrack or something that made me feel better. I had a long conversation with a, a person this week about how, well, if you watch a movie, do you want a movie that makes you feel better or disturbs you or, or you know, you leave sad? And I thought, I don't really want anything that makes me disturbed or sad. And and I think in a lot of ways, you know, people can argue Kiss is shallow or they're only singing about this or that or the other. But I guess maybe, you know, maybe I am. That's all I want. You know, I, I want something that actually somehow gets me through the day. And I think... Uh, you know, what were they writing about? I always find that kind of fascinating. And a lot of it, sure, it's sex, little bit of drugs, but, and rock and roll. And, and I think that was kind of kind of always the point. And, and, you know, that was a long answer. But, you know. Well, we certainly got our quarter's worth from you today. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just rolled out of bed, shot out of a cannon already. There you go. Craig Cohen, give us your thoughts on what you look for from Kiss lyrics. Um, well, for me... There are there are two kinds of, of rock songs when you when you look at Kiss and the members of Kiss. There's there's dumb rock and there's stupid rock. Mm-hmm. And Kiss and its its members have been guilty of both. And unfortunately for me, on on the new Ace album, there's a lot more stupid rock than dumb rock. Um, but you get great stuff like uh, Inside the Vortex. To me, is mm-hmm. one of the best. Um, a solo songs that I've heard in in a, in a really long time, and you got some other great lyrics like on you know past the Milky Way, but you know when you open the album with Space Invader for me the chorus came and I was like oh is this really what we're gonna sit down and listen to? <laughs> yeah, I dig it. Well, let's let's also not uh, you know leave Kiss out of this equation. We're not hammering on Ace because if you look at songs that are on like for example Monster. And you have the obligatory space song that needs to be there, just like it was on Psycho Circus. And one of the things that we're attempting to do in this episode is discuss how important or unimportant the Kiss character songs have been. And, And by Kiss character songs, we mean songs that are written with the character of the demon, the cat, the spaceman and the star child from their point of view or from about them now if we take a look at the first six albums which i think that almost every kiss fan and and you know there are going to be some people who think like well, crazy nights is the best album i don't care about the first kiss six kiss albums we're addressing what i'm going to consider most of kiss fans probably look at the first six Kiss albums as the holy grail of Kissdom. Wouldn't you guys agree? You know, I'd agree. I'll tell you the funniest thing is that and I'm sure you see it a lot in your podcast Facebook page or whatever. I'm always amazed by the amount of people who who seem to come out with the well, the current lineup is the best lineup of Kiss ever. Uh-huh. Or and, and not that you can't like it, but I always kind of go like, wow. Or, oh, well, I always thought of Ace as the guy who was coming back to take Bruce's spot away. And you go, really? Like, wow. Like, I guess for me, it's always been originals first, everything second. But it's amazing how y- you do find these people that, well, Monster's the greatest thing ever, and Tommy's been in the band longer, and without Tommy, there'd be no kiss. And you go, do you know what Tommy's doing like you know without you know it's just it does kind of blow my mind and I'm going to kind of guess that anybody who's hardcore enough of a fan to be listening to the podcast I'm going to guess probably was a fan of the originals first maybe not or maybe got into them you know during crazy nights or whatever but but for me it's always been originals first everything else was a bonus so I am surprised when when people say oh those first albums don't mean something to Mm -hmm. me well, it it all has to do, I guess, when you came to the party, Craig. Yeah, I was I was gonna say it, it's funny that that Kiss sort of has this unique, um, you know, situation where the only other band I can really compare it to that I have any experience with 
is like Black Sabbath, where you mm-hmm. had the original run with Ozzy, um, and some people would argue that the last two albums with Ozzy aren't even part of that that great great run. And then you have the Dio run, you know, the two albums they made with Dio and the live album, and it's so funny because there are people out there that their version of Black Sabbath is the Dio version, like Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. His Black Sabbath was Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules. But it's it's so funny that out of all the bands out there, there's this this divide, and and it's funny the the, the great thing uh, about Kiss, in my opinion, is you have clearly defined eras where you know you have that original run, and then you have sort of the run from like Dynasty through what like uh, the Elder, and then they took the makeup off, which you know really was sort of like a reset for them. Um, I mean, for me, it started with the originals, but I, th- I think it's kind of cool that there are different errors that you can pick and choose from depending on your mood. Well, I have always said, and, and some people get upset and raise an eyebrow, um, but KISS is the Star Trek of rock and roll, where you have <laughs> some people that are into the original series only, some people that are into... Uh, next gen or voyager or enterprise or whatever or just the new movies you know and yep. kiss for all intents and purposes we're now seeing jj abrams kiss <laughs> but with, isn't that great lens though, in the sense that 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 jj abrams uh kiss is getting people interested in their back catalog and on this latest tour when they played hide your heart there were probably some fans that went home and said, "Wow, that was a pretty neat song," mm-hmm. and they're discovering "Hot and Sh- Hot in the Shade" for the first time. Right, and and it, it's all the same at the end of it. At the end of it, kisses about a smile and a good time. So, and joining us from the Facebook page, it's our roving reporter Rosetta Candy. Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Ken. How are you doing today? Not too bad. How's everyone doing? We're doing great. So you asked a question on Facebook of our listeners, and what was that question? The question was, when did the makeup start writing the music, and what is the best or worst character song on a Kiss or Solo CD? So we put that question up, and we'll leave that open to discussion for all the fans, and we'll come back to that at the end of the show. All right, excellent. See you then. All right. Thanks, Candy. Thanks, Candy. is KISS, each sold separately, and you can put them in any crazy pose you want. KISS, each 12 and a half inch figure sold separately by Mego. Everybody was trying to knock on the KISS door, you know. The toy thing exploded all of a sudden. Pinball machines and KISS pajamas and KISS tampons and, you know, everything. So the idea was to put out a KISS comic book where we wouldn't be rock and roll musicians, but superheroes. In some ways, it epitomized just how big and different we were than a lot of other bands. You didn't see Marvel Presents the Eagles, you know, or something like that. I would be able to fly and I could order my monster boots to fly off my feet and sort of like killer dogs go after something and also you know when we were getting ready to print it up we had this great idea let's put our blood into the red ink and we got a doctor and we all got you know needles put in our arms and bled a little and then we went to this um printing uh plant in upstate new york and poured blood into the red ink man you don't get to do that a lot in your life that's pretty cool Isn't that wonderful? The whole thing was a classic public relations stunt, one which may or may not have been in bad taste, depending on yours, one which may or may not sell comic books. It would be nice to think that people won't be sucked in by this type of thing, but then maybe Kiss knows something or reflects something about us that we don't see. So we're going to go with the premise that the the best Kiss albums, if not the best albums, we're going to say the most important Kiss albums are the first six because that's the the groundwork they're still playing those tracks today that's what all this was built upon and we're going to take a look and see when the character songs quote unquote started and my argument is that on the first six kiss albums you will not hear a song like i am a demon 
I'm a cat with nine lives, I'm the star child, or I'm the spaceman, I'm floating around, you know, whatever. But Ken, um, one thing that I think I'd like to sort of define is Mm -hmm. what exactly was Peter's character... I guess we know what the comic book character was, you know, when you know when they sort of became the, the the comic book. But I think there's people out there, and if you even look at like you know, all for the love of rock and roll on Monster, uh, it seems like that Catman character has also been associated with sort of you know the tough life, if you will, or or you know being a scrappy type of person, and mm. you know sort of coming from the streets and the school of hard knocks. What do you think about that, Matt? Well, and I've got nine lives because obviously I've lived such a dangerous life mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, the uh, I think that's actually a good point is in a lot of ways, the first six albums, like really anything with the makeup, then draws a straight line to the reunion tour. And everything we've had from the reunion tour until now really is based on these first six albums because the reunion tour was clearly, okay, let's forget everything that happened when we had no makeup. Let's go back to the makeup and then everything up to now has been that's i think when the characters really become defined because now you have a whole generation of people that now there's all these different members of kiss whereas i think when we were younger and and i i'd be curious what you think of this ken but the um when you were a kid listening we didn't think of them as the spaceman or the catman or the demon. It was, you knew it. it was Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons. You know, you said, well, I like Ace's solo. Nobody said, well, do you like the spaceman? Right. You know, <laughs> right. What, I, you know what I mean? Like, Craig, when you, when you first discovered them, did you think of them as the characters? or did, And, and I, you know, that's, I think, really, as I thought about this the whole week was, I never thought of it like that. I think, in a way, when we were younger... It was clearly defined as these guys. It really was only the reunion tour that now they're cashing in on a whole new group of people that kind of know what's going on and go, oh, well, yeah, that's it's the it's the shorthand of, oh, it's that guy who sticks his tongue out. Oh, OK. Yeah. Right. What do you, you know, well, yeah, I, well, for me, it was always as a kid, um, it was Ace Frehley and he's from outer space. You right. know, it was there was never, you know, it was always, you know, associating one with the other. So for me, I always called him Ace. I mean, right. I'd be like, yeah, Ace is my favorite member of Kiss. It wasn't, uh-huh. oh, the Spaceman is my favorite member of exactly. Kiss. Exactly. Exactly. Well, but I mean, I think there was um, a direct correlation between the two. I mean, if somebody said, oh, you know, um, I, I saw Kiss on Midnight Special the other night and they had, you know, I really like what that, you know, the spacey one was doing, I, you know, so. Like you said, it's kind of a shorthand. I would agree with that. I I know that for myself, when I would have posters on my wall, and you know, 15-year-old kid back in the 70s, and, you know, we would talk about Kiss, and and we would read, like, the things that came with the uh, Originals album, or the things that would, you know, be in magazines where you'd hear that Gene was a bat demon, and Peter Chris's parents uh, crashed in a plane, and... He was raised by tigers, you know, <laughs> cats and stuff like that. And Paul was the re- reincarnated lover who was a prince at one point, which <laughs> Paul's story always was like the weakest of the bunch to me. It didn't make as much sense. But I, I remember uh, whether it be a, uh, a tennis racket, a broom, or a guitar, when I wanted to learn how to play Parasite, I wasn't like I want to be a spaceman. I just wanted to rock out. So to me, it the first six albums. I want to kind of dive into this and and let let let's look at the first album. Yeah. Uh, one thing though, Ken is I, yeah. I think the intent might have been there at least in some of their minds because if you go back to like the '74 Mike Douglas interview with Gene, where Gene was the the face of the band at that point. Mm-hmm. He was very much playing a character at that point. Yeah, but don't you think some of that was because he was scared and didn't know what the hell to say? Right. <laughs> it's very possible. Yeah, you're hiding I mean, behind this makeup so you can hide behind a, a persona as well. But um, they at least had the ability to do that. Steven Tyler couldn't go out on Mike Douglas and talk um, about he, cheeks. All he and could necks. play was you know a goofy version of Steven Tyler. Mm-hmm. But don't you think that they looked at that first appearance, that first interview with Mike Douglas, and went like, this is not going to work. We have to figure out how to talk now. 
Well, it doesn't even work halfway through the interview. The no. great thing is Gene comes out first and he's doing that whole Jinx vampire. Right? But then if you listen to it, you can hear Gene now come out halfway through because the, yeah. those, those two from the kissing contest come out. And Mike Douglas says, well, what was the prize? And it turns out that the concert was canceled. And Gene switches right into, well, you see, their prize has been upgraded because now we're going to go to, you know what I mean? He turns into the game show host, Gene. Right, you hear the voice, and you can totally hear Gene break out of his character he's trying to play and now it's it's classic what has become the classic gene but wait there's more and you and, mm-hmm. and if you go back and listen it's so distinct because now he's panicking that wait a minute they're they're blowing it already mm-hmm. absolutely i got a new rock group for you Tony. this is their latest album which i'm going to show the camera right here but before we see them perform I want you to meet one of the members of this act close up. Here from KISS is Gene Simmons. Do a close shot of the shoes, please. Look at these shoes. I mean, let's let, turn them this way so we can see them. That is something. Incidentally, else. he's up for adoption. <laughs> I refuse, Tony. Gene, what, what are you? I'm really just a member of KISS. You know? Who dreamed this up, this, this get-up? We all did. How many members? In the there group? are four members. You know, your audience really looks appetizing. Oh, really? Are you a bat? Yes. <laughs> Actually, what I am is evil incarnate. And some of those cheeks and necks look really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? 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 <laughs> Why the costume? Why the costume? <laughs> oh, he, I can tell he's your type, Tony. I can just tell. <laughs> I really like her bad formation. Open up, Tony. Is your mother watching today? I hope so. <laughs> yes, Would it be funny if under this he was just a nice Jewish boy? <laughs> you should only know. <laughs> Where are you? I do. You can't hide the hook. <laughs> Louise and Vince are going to go on for the World Championship that's going to be held May 25th in Chicago, and where we'd like to get Howard Cosell to do the blow-by-blow descriptions. <laughs> so keep watching. Is, is, is he your man, Howard Cosell? We'd love to get him. What was the prize, Vince? The prize? The prize was a trip to Toronto to see Kiss in concert. But unfortunately, the concert that, canceled yeah. out. Unfortunately, that's been canceled, but there's a, there's a bigger prize. What's happening is uh, the winning couple, the world champs, will fly out to California, and from there, they're going on an eight-day cruise to Acapulco to recover. So uh, it should be something. And if you read Paul's book, he, he talks about how they would go to radio stations and people couldn't see the makeup, so they had to figure out how to... You know, they couldn't say, hi, I'm Paul the Star Child. And uh, to be honest with you, whether, you know, he was the Star Child or not, those characters weren't really fleshed out until uh, O'Coin staffers and Marvel Comics got a hold of them. That's you can almost I'm say that those, really... those characters came about when it was almost too late. Um, yeah. You know, where they're referring to Paul as the Star Child and like Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, where it was pretty much over at that point. Yeah. It's well, kind the of comic strange. Book, I was, I was going to say the comic book to me, I thought was very important because at the time I was so into comic books 
and sewing a kiss, and when the two of them seemed to somehow come together, that seemed to be like the greatest thing ever. And I mean, think about what was going on at the time. It was also Star Wars and things like that. So you had Kiss and Star Wars and comic books, and which on any of those things on any given day is a good day. So it's the kind of thing where when that combined, and now you had these characters who were going around on their own super adventures, I think that was always almost what made especially as as somebody you know eight nine ten years old what made kiss different than say led zeppelin was i didn't have a poster of robert plant because that was just this guy whereas kiss were superheroes and you could have a superman you know comic book and a kiss comic book so when you listen to the music it's somehow i mean and a lot of it look i'll admit it it's all tied to the fact that in my mind i'm still about 10 to 12 years old right but but it really was that was the thing. I think the comic book I look at is very much a defining moment in the fact that it really did make them those characters. And that's what I wanted. You know, I liked all the music, love all that kind of stuff. It added this whole other dimension where now you could draw a picture of, you know, Gene Simmons punching Dr. Doom in the face or things like that. And uh, I think that, you know, as much now... It is what something I look back and go. Remember, I really remember enjoying that first comic book so much because it was just something that seemed so, you know, amazing for everything that I was just loving at the time. We also have to look at Bob Ezrin and the role that he played. Uh, he was the first one to really say, "You guys need to be bigger than you are," because oh, prior totally. prior to right. prior to uh, the Destroyer album. And even afterwards, I mean, you listen to the Tom Snyder interview, he's like saying, and you're supposed to be what now? Tell me about your outfits. I mean, do you, did you design your own outfits, all of you? And, yeah. and w- tell me what each outfit means. And I'll start with you, Ace. Well, that means a cucumber. I think this outfit is self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> I there mean, you, you know, this is part of a, a, a kind of a V-shape. This is my utility belt, and we don't want to go any below than my uh, waist area, because that's reserved for concert players. Yeah. I, I understand good. that. But and then at, and after it's all over, they say, this, this is what I we came for. And that's why I feel <laughs> short today. I stole this from Flash Gordon, and, uh, you know, I have my cape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're kind of like a spaceman, huh? No, actually, I'm a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> On the side. No. Hey, well, listen, I got a little piece of pipe backstage I'd like to have you work on. Tell me about <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, you love it, but I'm like that. <laughs> you. <laughs> you old sweet talker, you. Uh, uh, but, I, but I'll tell you, I read in the sheet that they gave me where they said that it's hard to get you out of your shell. It's hot for you. Yeah, to they, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Try, try to cheer down. <laughs> you know, and they're they're there, right there. Mama. Can't you see my cat makeup? I'm a cat. Can't you <laughs> look? There's uh, tiger heads on my shoulders. Can't you figure out that I'm a cat guy? You know, but he didn't know what Ace was. You know, he said, "So what so are you? A I'm a plumber." Man. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> so so Bob Ezrin was the first one who kind of said, "Look, you guys need to make this bigger. We need to give each of you a moment on the stage and on the album." So like Beth became Peter's stage moment outside of the drum solo. Gene Simmons' blood spitting had to become more of an event because it was done for shock using a hundred thousand years but don't you think that god of thunder took that to a whole nother level oh totally and and if you look that's really where you can really establish what a good producer brings to the table where Mm -hmm. bob ezrin can hear paul's god of thunder demo and say yeah this is going to be gene's song now, it's weird because when people think of character songs, I think the first song that we think of when we think of a character song is God of Thunder. That's the demon song. But if we look at the roots of God of Thunder, it actually is about Paul, the star child, uh, being raised among the gods, and he's the god of love. Yeah. So it's weird that you're kind of ironic that the biggest character song started out as for the other guy. Totally. So I don't even know if we can count God of Thunder as the first appearance of the character song because when it was originally being developed, it was for the other person. Do you, do you see where I'm coming from? 
I looked at it, and as I was going through all the songs, I sat down with every <clears throat> album this week. Uh-huh. To me, one of the first real, the one that I th- said, okay, here's where one of them's, I looked at Almost Human. Okay. And you look at that song, and now you say he's clearly writing in the idea that he is the a, like you know this monster or whatever. Whereas so many other songs, really, even though, and it's funny because again, I went back to the idea of what do you write about when you're writing in a song? You know, you're taking experiences that you've had, but or feelings that you have or whatever. But then now you're saying, what if I'm this monster? And I think that's where you really have you know this character who is this dark character and things like that but in the same way you know any any song you know what inspires it but that was the one that i picked was i thought that was the first one that seemed to be a song that was clearly written for i am now this monster who is a dark bat kind of thing and the moon is out i'm about to change you know and that was really i started kind of right there i I thought that was uh with the exact argument of what you said i thought god of thunder in a way god of thunder i always remember those pictures of that they would draw of loki in the in the thor comics Uh where he's sitting on that huge kind of chair and there's all little like uh demons you know flying around and that's what i always pictured god of thunder only it was gene in this big chair with little fire and demons you know you got to think i was probably eight years old so what are you going to put in your mind but you know yeah John Buscema drawn Marvel Comics. Exactly.
Craig, what is your first character song that you can think of? I mean, if you look at "Do You Love Me" off of uh, off of Destroyer, you've got Paul singing uh, about you know his uh, you know his character, and from the perspective of being this rock star on stage. So for me, that seems like I definitely trace the the characters back to Destroyer, and for me, God of Thunder really even though Paul Stanley wrote it and if you look at the history of it being developed um, that is such a perfect character song and that makes me wonder if does the person singing the song or the character need to be the writer of the song because I think in the case of Peter um, you have a lot of songs that are are Peter songs or Catman songs um, that weren't written by Peter right well what was the first cat song that you can think of and I'm not even going to uh, talk about the I'm a tough hooligan on the street do we have a cat song I know that on his one solo album he talks about <laughs> the cat got nine lives yeah the cat's got he nine do. lives he do yeah and what album's that on that song cat that's one on right that's on the chris cat one or whatever yeah chris cat one any kiss albums that have a a quote-unquote catman song mm-hmm. or at least from the you know the perspective of him being raised by by cats <laughs> right well and 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 i'm glad because it's kind of even just weird the, the the song matt's referring to which sing it again matt you're so wonderful with this i'll tell you a funny story the one time we were when we were going up to i think it was the guitar convention in 2001 it was me and my friend Bob Brodsky and our friend Keith Pankowitz. And for some reason, we would sing that and he would just laugh hysterically. We would, you know, the cat got nine lives. He do. He do. <laughs> just, you know, I don't know. Just that's the one thing I always associate with that song. We're riding up on the train and every time if you want to crack somebody, it's just go, he do. <laughs> well, the weird thing is, is that uh, if you look at, what people now consider a Catman song is a slow ballad, which Kiss thought that, obviously, when they were doing Psycho Circus, because Paul had to write the, the Peter Chris song, which was right. Finally Found My Way to You, which was a poor attempt at doing Beth again. And Ace came in with a song written with him and, what, Sebastian Bach, I think? Was it Shaken Sharp Shooter or whatever? Right. And Gene and Paul said, no, 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 no. We need something like Into the Void. Give us give us your song, and we'll come back in ten minutes with... And it's sad, because instead of letting Ace and Pete have a moment on that album of being just rock stars, they got shoehorned into this, you have to be the spaceman, you have to be this kind of thing. And I actually it, think, though, that Ken... Um Psycho Circus could probably be its own entire discussion without even analyzing the album. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, without doing a roundtable or anything. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, the whole history behind that and 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 what it turned out to be, as opposed to what the public thought it was. Right. But the weird thing is, is that if you listen to that album, they so clearly wanted a spaceman and a Catman song. But what's Gene doing? He's singing We Are One and Journey of a Thousand Years and all this stuff. There's no demon song on that album. Wouldn't you think that Paul would have, you know, fought for that? I mean, it seems like on Monster and Sonic Boom, he wants to make sure that Gene has his, you know, The Devil Is Me, which is kind of like a character song. Do you think that, though, that that spills back to ultimately 
the choice of producer for that album. Ah, there you go. Craig Cohen shoots and he scores, <laughs> so there you go. But it, it it's kind of weird because we don't really see Ace ever sing about space until his solo album in 1978, Kiss had already existed for five years. And the only real thing that it talks about is he was wiped out. I feel him all lost in space. You know, it's not like he's singing into the void back then. He's singing about, you know, being coked up or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then even if you look at a song like Shock Me, which for some reason has these space connotations. Why? It's It's got nothing to do with space. I think just because it became his signature song, Mm -hmm. people, that becomes one of the defining images. You know, and and in a way, that's where you start thinking about what inspires songwriting. You know, he always says that the song is written about how he got actually shocked on stage, but yet it's also very sexual. Yeah. You know, in the same way like Rocket Ride. Like Rocket Ride or, you know, Rocket Ride or Love Gun, things like that. Obviously, look, at the end of the day, they're always just referring to their dick. But it's a, you know, Rocket Ride is a clever way. I think in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, that's, I think, one of the things that got kind of lost later was now you had, well, when that bitch bends over, I forget my name. And you go, okay, well, that's a pretty direct way of kind of going after the same kind of a day. And, uh, you know, really when he's saying Rocket Ride and you can go into the void or, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's about space travel, but it's really about entering the black hole. And you go, well, okay, <laughs> you know, the, uh, you know, you know and again, it comes back to really what are we looking for? I think, you know, we can all kind of figure out where they were going, at least a couple different places they might have been going. But it's one of those things where, uh, you know, put your hand in my pocket, grab onto my rocket. There you yeah. go. So, so, songwriting. so, so, yeah, so well, was writing a space song? Stupid rock versus dumb rock. Yeah, exactly. Was uh, Paul writing a space song when he said, grab onto my rocket? You know, I should have had acing that i mean that that <laughs> would be the kind of pocket, grab onto my love guns <laughs> yeah there you go but like uh, now with the kind of logic that seems to be going into the new albums that are coming out it would seem like oh well this this has rocking in it uh the space guy has to sing it hi this is ace fairly and you're listening to podcast do you think that really what it comes down to, and I always think it's funny when you talk, again, like when you talk to people that write songs or they're artists, it really is something that if you're trying to come up with an idea, usually it's something that's going on in your life. Uh-huh. And I think at some point it's just because maybe in their life there's just not that much fun stuff to write about. Like, you know, I, I think a lot of Paul's solo album, you know, Live to Win, in a lot of ways, and I, I want, and we could probably do a whole other show on that too. But I mean, really, Paul's "Live to Win" album, I find, is much more of a personal album than than a lot of the stuff he's done since with Kiss, because he's really, it's, I call it the Paul Stanley divorce album. Yeah, you yeah. know, because the whole album, you know, he's frustrated, he's degraded, and you go, well. Well, wow, I, I, I thought you were having a good time. Well, no, he's waking up screaming, and every time he sees her around, you know, it's, and, and the one that's second to none, like, really, look, you know, that's, I, it's too real. I don't really want, I don't really want to go there. Like, you know, like, you go, well, okay, now he's, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not a fun song. And the, uh, I'm, I, I'm sure that those were the things that were the most important things in his life. But and I look, I think of Paul Stanley's solo album as a Kiss album. I mean, he might say, "Well, it's not a Kiss album. Why do you want the same old thing?" But you know, I, I don't look to that for a Paul album or a Paul song. I mean, I guess you could say, "What are you looking for? What you want to hear?" But uh, you know, I I would rather Paul was singing, you know, something fun than you know, I, oh, I'm waking up sweating because I'm having such a horrible time. Right. Well, and and, and Matt, you could actually look at most artists and say success is probably the worst thing that happened to them because all of a sudden when you're no longer hungry um you don't really have anything you know that you're really striving for anymore that it's really hard to write you know a a genuine song when you have somebody cooking your breakfast in the morning and (laughs) picking your clothes well matt you and i were talking about for example second to none and then we were talking about room service, and you said something about, like, I'm not sure that Paul's family would like to hear a certain something. 
you look at what you're writing about and you say, well, how are people going to take this? And how are the people who know what this song's about maybe going to take this? And that's, I think, what's always interesting. We don't know really what they write the songs about. Right. You know, but obviously it inspired, you know, it's his own personal relationships or his own real life. You know, and I think that's why when you hear a song like Take Me Down Below, you say, well, you know, are they they're just singing from the memory bank i don't i don't think that that's really what they're living right now and you can kind of take it for what you want you know is it you know really what you're looking for and it's does it make i and look and i'll and i've probably said this a couple times but i listen to stuff really for the soundtrack i want to feel better I, you know it's easy to feel worse i'm always uh-huh. looking for something that makes me feel better well you said something along the lines of if Paul's singing about, like, she was 16, eager to please on her knees in a right. hotel room, and he's now Paul the dad, Paul right. the married man, right? It you're, like, going, yeah, sure you were, you know, or, right. you know, that that's going to hold up really well in court, you know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> and it's weird because, as, as a Beatle fan, one of the things that I kind of disliked that they did when they broke up solo like we'd hear john lennon sing a song oh yoko you know and it's like oh my god and paul would sing a song about you know la 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 lovely linda you know and you'd know who he's talking about and ace kind of did that you know this next song's for rachel you know (laughs) (laughs) it's like ah just let it be a song you know just let it be a song I, th- I think that's something that I kind of miss, but I, I guess that looking at the first Kiss albums, there's not much evidence that, you know, I'm the demon, I'm from the bowels of hell, I'm the cat, I have nine lives, I'm the star child, the best lover of all, and <laughs> yeah, you, I am from outer space. It's yeah, just not almost, there. You could almost say that that was all done in the live show and in the photo shoots, and the records were almost sort of like their own thing and they were letting the image really um, do the talking as opposed to the music mm-hmm. when it came to the characters. So I think it's kind of sad that Current Kiss and Ace Frehley feel that they have to write songs from those characters all the time because I think that there's a lot of good rocking that should be in there but to me I don't want to I don't necessarily want to put on an album and hear about the Space Invader or you know things like that i want to hear songs like take me and mr speed and you know the the going blind just songs about anything they don't have to necessarily be um written from the character standpoint like for example you take a song like going blind that's a song that never would be written on a modern kiss album Oh, no. And I'd hate to I don't, see. I don't know. I could see that could come back though, because it's like almost like it's a movie. Like you know, and, and later as Gene explains it, and then he puts the line back in. It's little lady from the land beneath the sea. He's trying. It's almost like he's writing a movie, but the character is not the demon, obviously. But he's writing a story. It's not necessary. And and really, what is that about? Like I mean, you can kind of get all kind of weird. As I've gotten older and older and older, I always feel more like that and going blind and. You know, because I'm 93 and they're still 16, and you know, it it changes your perspective. I think depending on when you're listening to it. But the, um, you know, something like Space Invader to me, I didn't even so much think it was a song about the Ace character. I right away thought of the day the Earth stood still. You know, mm-hmm. and and are and I think as we're looking for something to happen. Are we waiting for aliens to come back? And and I say, look, come back because I know they've been here before. They're still here. Right. They're everywhere. Right. But the, uh, you know, are we looking for that? Like uh, to me, it was more like almost like where is the hope for this planet going to come from? Is it going to come from aliens? I didn't necessarily think Ace was singing about himself even. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Absolutely. As much as I want Kiss to be superheroes, I want them to be, you know, rock stars. I guess. Exactly. I think it's the like you said earlier, the word fantasy. You used that early in the day. To me, Kiss has always been the fantasy of what you thought you wanted your life to be. That they seem to be having a great time, and then you read Paul's book and you realize he wasn't having a, as much of a good time as we thought. You know, right. I, I thought that. I mean, I really, I, I know we all read that recently, and I think it really changed my thought a lot of ways. Where you go, like, wow, it seemed like he was having a great time at the time, and I don't know, maybe he wasn't. 
Mm. Which just shows what a great performer he is. Absolutely. Which of the character songs do you guys feel worked the best? For me, I think a lot of the street-wise Catman songs work for me. I think a song like, and, and it's, it's kind of more of the, this is, you know, Peter being romantic, but like Hard Luck Woman to me, that, that feels like a Catman song to me. Hmm. Um, and a, a lot of those, a lot of those Peter songs do like, even like, you know, uh, Hooligan, I know is a much debated song, but you know, Hooligan to me, that's a really, that's a really cool character song. And then you can even tie that in with like Getaway, which was an ace, right? But that really feels like a like a like a, a Catman song to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, Matt, your thoughts? Well, you know, if we're gonna talk strictly kind of character driven in a way, if you go with Paul as the star child slash the lover, you could almost say almost any song would you know by the middle of their you know something like Love Gun clearly then is a character song. I'm the you know I'm gonna fire my Love Gun. That's you know you gotta feel pretty good about yourself to be singing that song every night. And I think uh, you know something like All American Man. You know you gotta be feeling pretty good about yourself to sing I'm the six foot hot look All American Man. And you go. You know, I never felt that good. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, so is that a character song? I'm five really eight. Walking around? Huh? I'm five eight, and my hair's not great. You know, that would be nice. <laughs> but even right, you mentioned exactly. you mentioned Mr. Speed, Ken. To me, Mr. Speed, that feels like a Star Child song to me. Hmm. Well, see, I don't know. To me, that doesn't really reek so much of the Star Child character as it's just a rock song. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, to me, I could hear Mr. Speed being sung by the Rolling Stones. Oh, sure. But there's, like, can you hear the Rolling Stones sing God of Thunder? <laughs> Good point. You got something about you. I could hear you them got singing. Something I need. I... <laughs> Here's the weird thing. I could hear the Stones singing Shock Me. I could hear the Stones singing Love Gun. I could hear the Stones singing a lot of things. But I can't hear the Stones singing Into the Void. I can't hear the Stones singing uh, Space Invader. I can't hear the Stones singing Out of This World. You see what I'm saying? Right. But, and, and it's funny that all those songs are within the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, where does that maybe speak to the level of songwriting from the reunion era forward to the songwriting that was being done 40 or 35 years ago. Yeah. I think that's right on the money. Yeah. I mean, I think everything from the reunion tour on has been a callback to those first albums. And in a way, like I said before, it's a shorthand. We got people that are on board now who maybe don't know all the old stuff, but they want a certain kind of thing, and maybe we can sell a couple more records. And, you know, I think it's definitely, that's exactly the case, is they're using their, that's their point of reference, and it's easy. It's just easier to write a song. Here's the framework. I'm going to do it. You know, I'm the cat. I'm the spaceman. Even when they're giving the spaceman songs to Tommy, we've had that conversation before on this show, is just the fact that, you know, should he write can Tommy write a song about something that he likes you know like what would that be well to me it doesn't have to be like I'm a golfer right. <laughs> hole you know. in one right that could be the new yeah, song hole in one would be great but <laughs> again that would be kind of embarrassing to me like we were talking about can the Stones sing it like let's say that that's our new uh, kind of thing okay like that's our litmus test for the moment I could hear the Stones singing um all for the love of rock and roll quite easily. It has that swagger, it has that kind of thing, you know what I mean? But I can't hear them doing The Devil Is Me or Out of This World. If they did The Devil Me, it'd have to be like rewritten to be like Sympathy for the Devil kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I, just, I just feel that it's sad that current Kiss and current Ace feel that they have to sing songs from the makeup songs from the character and to me if you look back on the first six albums what i'm what i'm going to say are the the holy grail of of kiss music that there are no songs about i'm a blood spitting demon and the first occurrence of space is is a throwaway line on a solo album in 78 i'd like them to get back to what brought 
us to the table and it's not songs about uh, the Milky Way and the void and you know world's greatest lover or whatever it would be it's or I'm the cat with nine lives you know what what was the line again Matt the cat, the cat got nine lives he do he do he do yeah <laughs> he do he do he do so I don't know to me a great rock and roll song rarely has anything to do with uh, coming from a comic book character. I mean, even one of Paul McCartney's worst songs was Bagnito and the Titanium Man, so, you know. But I guess somebody out there is saying, that's my favorite, so if <laughs> well, we're full of crap, point, though, let us know. But, but really, when you think about it, at some point you have to look, what do you want them to sing about? Because I look at it a lot of time. I still like it, and I've said it probably too many times already on this episode. I, I want them to sing about as if they're having a great time mm-hmm. and kind of still the fantasy of rock and roll. I don't really want, you know, wow, I'm getting old. Like, I don't think I really want Kiss songs that are going to address the fact that we're mortals. I still want to think we can rock and roll night and party every day, even though it's absolutely false. <laughs> you know, well, well, like, for example, you can all think about your own life for just a minute and, you know, <laughs> right. But when you think, if you look at something like Got to Choose, that's a song about telling this chick, you got to figure out what you want here. You know? Right. And uh, Parasite, it's about somebody that's uh, dragging you down and living off you and going blind. There's that. Hotter in Hell's about having an illicit affair with a married woman, you know. And two timer. I mean, there yeah. you go, something like that. Who's going to cheat on the demon? Come on, really. But, like, I listen to songs like uh, Take Me Down Below and Long Way Down, and to me, those are that kind of kiss. Those those two songs, in my opinion, could have fit on one of those early albums. Yeah, and I even right. look at other songs on Monster like, like Freak uh-huh. or Hell or Hallelujah. I mean, those don't sound like character songs to me. I mean, right. Paul is singing as a character in Freak, um, but I think that's more of a song that's just speaking to people that feel like outsiders mm-hmm. which is a very sort of unstar child thing to sing about right well, I, I think freak speaks to everybody i mean I, i'm really like and i said this on one of the podcasts i think it was might have been uh, strange race with jody and those guys but freak I, i'm surprised that couldn't be the single and that they couldn't have really really gotten a lot of mileage out of that because that's such a universal theme you know that idea that you know you don't like the way i look but i like the way i look so fuck you you know it's like that theme is, I think, greater than almost anything on the latest albums that they put out as far as universal appeal. Yeah. yeah. I think that we all kind of feel that they missed the boat as having that not be a single. Right. But what are you going to do? So could you, could you handle an Ace Frehley album where he wasn't trying to assure us that he's still that guy, that he's still the guy that wore the makeup? I think this for me the strongest track on the album. I love that song. I want to hold you. Yeah, and that's, that's just that's a, a good, good pop song, love song. Has nothing to do with with you know Ace or Kiss or really anything. It's just a great song. And mm-hmm. I I mean that to me is the standout track on the album. You know, or even Give Me a Feeling. Same way, like that to me that sounds like a really classic kind of an Ace song. And it's just the same thing. It's a nice kind of a vibe. Hey, look, you know. I'm in love with somebody. You give me that feeling. You know, it's I've, I'm thinking about you. If you could take those lyrics, anybody could sing it. That there, there you go. There's the new Stones song. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me a feeling. The Stones could have definitely done that. That'd be great. Absolutely. Craig, could you stand a new Ace Frehley album without any space songs on it? I would welcome it. <laughs> it would be a lot of work, and I think anytime an artist reach the point in their career where they're over 60, it's really hard to have that fire and that drive and that creative spark that you did when you were 22 years old. And you can't fault them for it because it happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and joining us again is Rosetta Candy. Welcome back. So what's going on with Facebook? Everybody checking in? Yeah, it looks like Jeff Anderson checked in. Mark Konzerowski, I hope I'm saying that right, but he checked in. He says, for me, the best is God of Thunder. It's the demon incarnate. For the worst, it has to be out of this world. I think the idea itself must have originated during the Destroyer sessions. 
practically all of Ace's new album is written for the character. It's the closest to a concept album any solo member of KISS has ever done. Wow, very cool. And Matt Walters says, The first instance of the makeup writing, the music was Ezrin making Paul use God of Thunder for Jean. He also wonders, does Paul Stanley have any character songs? I, I don't think I've ever, and, and off the top of my head, I can't think of any, but... <laughs> well, I guess it depends on what you call a character song. All right, next one. Cassius Morris says, when they put the makeup back on in the late 90s, it started with Into the Void. Now they follow a very strict writing program. Gene Demon songs, Eric Street Kid songs, and Tommy Space songs. Personally, I'm sick of it. Cassius, you're right. The Tommy singing Space songs... <laughs> Like I said, Tommy, great guy, great musician. However, I think that for most KISS fans, it would be a huge insult to the real spaceman for him to be singing songs about the spaceman. Who, John Glenn? No, just kidding. Uh, he, no. Was, he was an actual <laughs> astronaut, so or, or Mr. Spock. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, I, I know that you are a huge fan of Psycho Circus, yes. like the song Into the Void. Do you feel that that song feels forced, or does it feel good? Oh, it feels good. Now, see, to me, it, it feels forced. And, you know, the history of that song, as we talked about earlier, you know. We have Ian Murray here. He says, the makeup started writing the music on Destroyer, and the best character song is God of Thunder. Alexander uh, Paul Walker mentions that it would be cool to see another batch of solo albums as well. That's an interesting idea. Could you imagine Tommy and Eric getting their own solo album? Yes. It would be interesting. And our last thing, John Churchill chimes in, and he has four songs that he feels are the character songs for each member of the original Kiss, whatever. John Churchill Ace says Rocket Ride is the best character song. Dirty Living for Peter, because he's from the streets. Gene, Almost Human, is the best song for him. John also says that Paul's best character song is Do You Love Me, because he's the sensitive rock star that just wants to be loved. Uh, we just all well, uh, on that note, <laughs> you can well, I think Love Gun might also be a good fit for that, don't yeah. you think? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, thank you for joining us today, and we will see you in future episodes and on Facebook. And thanks for helping out. No problem. Thanks, everyone, for having me on. All right, we'll see you. Thanks, Candy. Well, I think that it's time to uh, call it a day on this one. I want to thank you guys for being part of this and glad to have you on staff here at podcast uh we look forward to you folks coming back and checking in with us and uh, let us know how you feel on the facebook page and i guess we will see you next time thanks a lot ken You know, the, write a song about that. You know, I went to the store to get some. Putting more. away the groceries. And my dog is barking at me. <laughs> Wants me to eat better. <laughs> and that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, Thank you for listening to Podkist, the KISS fanzine for your ears. We would like to dedicate this episode to our good friend Jody Havnot. Matt, 
he's 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 a great guy, isn't he? You know what? If you read on his Facebook, he had said his father was in a car accident apparently and and was killed. And and I mean, obviously, our heart goes out to him. He's a good guy, and uh, we our prayers go to his family. And it's but obviously, any time someone in our community here like you know has a loss like that, it's it's always hard. And you know, we're always here for each other. So you know, know that we're thinking of him. And uh, you know, it's it's we all got we got to get through it somehow. Jody, we love you and. This is not the end for your family. We all go on, and they will live in your memory, if nothing else. And yeah. um, you, you matter to us, friend. Just, yeah. just know that. 